0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. This week, we have a fantastic conversation for you with Genevieve Petiro. And I can't wait to get there. Before I go, I want to remind you of the Revenant that we have coming up in Austin, Texas, the last week of October. If you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to wearerevenant.com. This is the incredible public training that Dan and Adrian facilitate and train. And uh, it's been a while since we've been able to do one of these in person, so this is the first one coming back from uh, no gatherings, of course. So uh, I'd encourage you, go to wearevenant.com, check it out there, and join us in Austin, Texas. Now, this week we had an opportunity to sit down with Genevieve Peturo. Genevieve has an incredible story, uh, one where she worked in the top echelons of corporate America and left it all behind in order to start a movement. and, and a not a not so obvious movement. And uh, I love the story of how she came upon her work, her life's work. She's the author of the book called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. And uh, we just get into so many good things in this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear. Let's go. Thanks so much for being here with us, Jenny Genevieve. And uh, I don't invitation. think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wanted to just give you a minute Right at the top of here, just to introduce yourself to our audience, you'll do a much better job than I will. And I just want to hear a little bit about what you're about and your background and and history.
1: Sure. Sure. I'd love to share. Well, I always wanted to be a corporate, corporate girl, climbing that ladder in a big city. And for me, that was New York City. So that's where I headed. You know, very different than my traditional Italian parents off the boat, they wanted me to get married and have kids, and I wanted something different. So that's that's what I did. I followed that corporate ladder as high as I could go, and I did that for 12 years until one quiet afternoon, and my life was hardly quiet. It was just workaholic type of life, but one afternoon alone, I heard a voice come from what I call now my hard voice, and it asked me a simple question. It asked me, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And it shocked me. And I realized in seconds that being single, being alone, working all the time for for money, for what I thought was was success and status really was empty. And if I found myself in that place in 30 years, I'd be a very lonely woman. Mm. And so I thought, how can I bring children into my life? And I started visiting shelters at night, emergency shelters, with storybooks. And I asked if I could read to the children and they welcomed me in and, and that's what I did. And one night when I followed them into where they were taking the children to go to sleep, um, what I saw was the beginning of um, an eye-opening experience that led to an aha moment with a little girl. And we can get to that, but that's, there was a moment that changed everything. And I, I sort of made a jump, you know, just made a jump.
0: That's awesome. How do you, how do you describe the jump? I wanna hear about that. What's, what is the jump that you made?
1: Well, I went to read in the stories to the children after work, and I was falling in love with all these little, little kids. And, you know, they were so quiet and so afraid because it, these were emergency shelters. And I wasn't really privy to what happened to each of them, but I could sort of tell that it was um, you know, pretty severe and, the, and they were traumatized. And it was early on, you know, the police or the social workers had just brought those children to the place I was visiting and they needed to keep them calm. So I was reading at night and it was very quiet. And when I saw how they were going to sleep in the clothes they were wearing, which for the most part were soiled or, or didn't fit well, and two or more on a surface, nice staff, but my mom tucked us each in. We were four kids and we had her at our bedside and it was, it was loving and, and there was laughter and you know snacks and story after story and of course pajamas. So when I was leaving one night when I had those memories flood to me and it was heartbreaking to watch that this was how these children were going to sleep, I asked if I could bring some pajamas next time. And they thought that was a lovely idea and, and sure. So I did and I was so excited. Now, I already knew my, my passion for my job was really <laughs> really uh, lessening and lessening because I was falling in love with these children and just spending time with them. And when I brought the pajamas and started handing them out, one little girl was so afraid to take them. She just kept telling me no. And when I kept trying gently to have her take them, showing her that they were soft they would fit her. She whispered in my ear, what are pajamas? What are they? And she was about six years old. And I remember I was so glad I was already kneeling down because that just was like a, a blow to my heart. And I had to explain without crying to this little girl, what pajamas are and that you can you can change for bedtime and you can wear something that's really soft and she'd have a really nice sleep. And I just, I couldn't get her out of my mind day and night. And it became this obsession and it was very difficult to stay focused my job and I needed to pay my mortgage and I needed the money, but all I really wanted to do and all I did in every moment I could was shop for pajamas and deliver pajamas. And try to get you know glimpses or moments with the children that would really just fill my heart. And before getting fired, I I had to jump, and it was it was really it was really difficult. My heart was going one way, my head was fighting it every step of the way. But um, through ups and downs, it's been 20 years, and pajama program has um, we've just celebrated 20 years with seven million pajamas and books to children through 63 chapters we have across the u.s so it's been a a loving road and a challenging road Um, made a lot of mistakes and thankfully helped people help me rally
0: that's beautiful congratulations on the anniversary that's amazing thank you and the impact
1: thousands of people
0: (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure i'd love to you know you're your book is purpose, passion and pajamas. And I think that that word purpose sticks out to me first, as we start this conversation, I'm curious for you, how do you define, I don't even know if defining it is what I'm asking for, but like, how do you view what's your relationship to purpose? We work with leaders and CEOs and founders. And I, I personally have coached, a few of them have, who have let me know, like in their work, they don't feel like they're living their purpose or they haven't found their purpose. And I think that's an, always an interesting uh, statement or sentiment. And, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about what does it mean to live our purpose? Is it something that we find? Is it, you know, what is, what is it? So I'd love to hear just from you, how you relate to this idea of purpose.
1: Right. Um, so many, so many thoughts. You know, sometimes we go looking and want to find our purpose, and sometimes our purpose finds us. And I think that's what happened to me. But regardless, it's. I used to think it was purpose was something that famous people, the lucky people had, you know, people who were really changing the world, you know, Einstein and Deepak Chopra and Oprah and you know, all, all these wonderfully talented people who were blessed to have been given this gift of purpose, but I'm not one of those people. I was a regular person working, doing a job, fell into this and let my heart speak to me and and direct me. Looking back on it, I can say this is what happened, but I know for a lot of people, it's scary. You You don't know what to do, especially when you realize like I did, is this really all there is? is? Is this why I'm here? Isn't there something more fulfilling? Isn't there something I can do, if not to change the world, change something? And, you know, we have to first believe that we all do have a purpose. And I, I teach a few ways to find your purpose, but it's it's in all of us. It's in all of us. It's in our heart. And we have to find the courage to ask ourselves, because I think most of us have an idea of what it is, and we push it on the back burner for a lot of reasons. And in, in this pandemic time, it's been a big reflective time. And I think it's the time for people to, to bring that back burner purpose, that, that passion, and, and honor it, even if it's just um, a slide into your life and not a jump like I did.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it, you you said something that kind of clicked to me, which is some people aren't like I know. If, it, it for me, purpose came out of wounds that I have, right. and it always. I don't think that that's always the case. I think people can be inspired into their purpose as well, much like you were. Um, but I know some of the wounds in my life have that I've been that the reluctancy towards my purpose was first I needed to get connected to those wounds right for me family is a big deal but i had to face the breaking up of my family uh to want to come home and have a family right and and then doing that it, it just what i used to be afraid of became something i was passionate about but i think that i think you really nailed it there's there's two i think there's either you're deeply inspired into it or you, you know you might even take that trek through something that has wounded you and you'd Say, I don't want to touch that thing again. And and then it, it draws something out of you. You're out of the courage to go back into it and fan the flames of, of I'm afraid that if I'll be let down again, so I don't even want to touch it. Right, right. Yes, yes. I,
1: I agree with you 100%. Yeah.
2: But it was very inspiring to hear. I can just right, when you talk about that six-year-old. It's quite touching.
1: Uh, it stays with me every day. I mean, it's and through the hard times when I really thought, what am I doing this? Am I really changing? Am I really helping? It's a pair of pajamas. I'm not giving them a home. I can't take them in. I can't build them a house. I can't you know, promise to feed them every day. And then you know, there are so many stories of what happened just in the nick of time to take me off that slide down. Yeah. And it's the, human, it's the human connection. It's all, it's all about sharing. And, and I'm, sh- you know, I'm guessing, Dan, that when you started to open up, you know, you've, you've felt supported.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it, it, in a number of ways. It, it, my work took me into prisons with kids out of gangs. That's how I met Adrian, and it, I know that feeling. I was, in the,
3: I was I was in a gang. do just yeah. <laughs>
2: Adrian actually hired me to work with a work with. I, would, I had been doing work with gangs, kids coming out of gangs, and and um, felt exactly what you said. I can't take them home. I can't feed them every day. I can't change their circumstances, but I. I realized I could be with them in a way that being with them might give them more courage to go forward towards what they were committed to and and carry, you know, and I do trainings, we did did character trainings, leadership trainings to help people, you know, then think about other possibilities than the ones that the culture just seemed to open up for them. So
1: mm-hmm. but I think maybe Adrian and Adam, Dan, you you would um resonate. When you're on purpose, there are mysterious things in the universe that cross your path in the nick of time, right? I mean, I worked hard as a workaholic, and I, I credit any success to me working hard. I credit the success of Pajama Program to the human connection and to those invisible forces that come in align line when you're on purpose. Yeah. For, for one one quick story, when I had one of those moments that we were talking about, Dan, I, I, what am I really doing? I'm throwing away everything. People are, are thinking I'm crazy, <laughs> and I, I don't know if I'm crazy or not. What am I doing? Bringing pajamas like a desperate woman in as many places as I can. And I got a call from a man who didn't identify himself. He just started asking me questions on the phone, and I just answered them. And he said, What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why pajamas? What do you think it's going to do? And finally, I started to get nervous and I started to think, Am I doing something illegal? Is he going to arrest me? What what is happening here? And he picked up on it and he said, I'm sorry, I I think I'm making you nervous, but I want you to know that Mm -hmm. I was a little boy in an orphanage and bedtime was my scariest time. All of us boys were so afraid. And Mm -hmm. I cried myself to sleep saying, Where's my mommy? And he said, I want you to know they feel the love. You don't have to be there, but the gift, especially something that's warm, it's not about the pajamas. It's about what's being transmitted from you, from anybody who's helping you to get these pajamas and books into the hands of the children before they go to sleep. And I'm telling you, I I was thinking I I was doing, making no difference. And he, he came in the nick of time. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, so many, so many conversations here to have that I'm really interested in. But that makes sense to me. It, you know, in the midst of chaos, like what's our touchstone is a, is a you know, and it seems like if we're in so much chaos for these kiddos, like maybe knowing they've got their set of pajamas that are theirs that they get to put on at night and it's like their own kind of, Touchstone came to mind, but like their thing, you know, that If as long as I've got this, I can handle the other things. And it's like a stabilizing, connective uh, object, you know, that's that's symbolic, right? An anchor. Um, yeah, it's an anchor. You know, I, I, there's so many things that are interesting here. E- even that question you asked yourself, and I'm thinking about audience members, people that are listening to this, you know, it takes guts to say, is this enough? You know, it really takes guts. And, you know, my experience is like, uh, you know, almost every, I mean, I think that's a human condition. Like we're all, is this enough? You know, we've got some sense of our own mortality, we've got some sense of our own limit, you know, we've got a limited time here on earth. And is this enough is also code for, you know, is there meaning here that I'll be, that I'll be satisfied with later? Or am I going to be filled with, I mean, am I going to be filled with regret when I get to that point, when I start asking those questions? And by when can we give ourselves permission to be at the end? Mm-hmm. You know, some people wait till the end of life to ask the questions. You asked yourself the question in, in the middle of a season, as if there could be, this is maybe morbid, like, ought I die here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if I, and if like, if I, if I, if I were to like say, is this enough for this season? Your answer was no. And that led you into, okay, hold on. What would be enough? Where could I go generate meaning? You know, nobody said, oh, Hey, you know what Genevieve go down to the shelter. There's meaning waiting for you there. You just went right. You followed that kind of internal um, question of what would be because not is it enough like what would be enough what would be meaningful mm-hmm. and then you went on a quest I don't know if you did other things before you got to the pajamas but you know, uh, you know if we let us our, give ourselves permission to be unsatisfied if there can be a lot of life found in there because otherwise we just you know I can connect with the rat race I can connect with the workaholism which is just you know it seemed like up until then, your answer was, I'm going to go do my thing. Family expectations, no, I'm going to go be me. And you ended up running that all the way to the end. And like, hold on, there's a me here that I actually don't want this one either. What's the next me that I'll be really proud to be? Which happens to rhyme. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about Adrian,
1: that. <laughs> Adrian, maybe you, maybe you gentlemen would understand. I think that we all have that nagging, hard voice that we that we ignore or that we shut down because we're already on the path, because you couldn't imagine changing, because what do I do first? Because that's not really a thing. Well, how could I ever do that? That, And we just don't think we could ever make it um, significant. And I think it, that voice that came up in me was probably knocking the <laughs> At my door, and because of my crazy life, I didn't hear it. But because I was in a very quiet place, I didn't sit down and say, "Okay, you know, talk to me." But that question came up, and then I learned how to say, "Keep talking to me."
3: Yeah,
1: I think we need the courage to to listen and to say, "Talk to me." Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: and I think you you hit another thing. You not only did so you heard it, but you also courted it. Mm Hmm. You didn't just hear it; you heard it and pursued it and courted it. And it's like, you know, um, you if you if you left it alone, it would die.
1: You're right, Dan. That's a good way to put it. Courted it.
2: Yeah, it it because it's almost as if it has its own life. Yeah. And, and that if you give your life to it, the calling, whatever that is, whatever calls you, whatever beckons you. That, it, that it, by pursuing it, it pursues you or it comes to you. You mentioned these things, these serendipitous, you know, synchronistic, you know, invisible, whatever's mechanically happening in the world, you know, like they come together in a way that supports your purpose. But you made yourself available. You courted it. You put yourself out there. You were willing to be vulnerable to it, which it's like a demonstration of love and faith. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. us to trust
0: ourselves
2: yeah yeah and the trust the universe if you will god the universe that it's going to come back
0: yeah i have a question you mentioned this idea of being obsessed with it like you got obsessed with it that's the word you used and i i thought that was really telling also a nice window into kind of how you Possibly what I'm making up about it is that's how you knew this is the direction you should go is like that obsession that I'm curious how have you identified or is there any is are there any characteristics that you've identified of what it's like to live in your purpose?
1: Well, yes, it's definitely an obsession. It's an obsession. And I was I was always centered. I was always excited. I was I was never tired. Um, that being said, of course, I lost a lot of sleep and I cried a lot and worrying about, was I doing the right thing? But it was, it was consuming, but the most um, grounded, the most real, the most connected I felt to anything ever. And I, it was never a question was, should I be doing this? It was only the question of, how can I make this better? How can I still pay my, my mortgage? How can I grow this so that more children will get pajamas and books? How can I share the story? It was just how. And I think if you ask yourself how, the answers come because you're asking the right question.
2: You know, it's interesting because I think that's also evident of the calling. Shutting it down is figuring out how you can't do it answering the calling, courting it is, how can I, what's possible here? I mean, you're answering the call of what's possible, which will trouble you because then you have to go into, is this really worth it? Am I doing the right thing? Is it going to make a difference? Like all those questions come along behind it, which which would cause me to even get more focused on more detailed into what it, what's it calling me to? How can I make it mean something? What you know? What are the indicators they need to look for? Is it making a difference, right? And then you hear that person, that guy says to you because you were listening for it, right? And the, and the gentleman says, you know, I was an orphan and you know, missing my mother at bedtime and father having some warmth and you know, and some it, it disintermediates the loneliness and and the sense of worthlessness that can come by laying alone in the dark at night, not knowing who's there for you. Right, Dan, right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's incredible that you listened for that, right? You were in the question, is this going to make, is this making a difference? Should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. And answered back, right, you, you, you heard the answer. Yeah, it's because as you probably know, probably better
1: than I do, all three of you, is that there are naysayers along the way. There are people going to tell you you're crazy. It's not like I started when I was five saying, you know, I want to do this when I grow up. It's that everyone knew me one way. Everyone respected my choice and thought success status is what she's after. She's doing it the right way. She's on her way. She's paying her mortgage. And then, you know, I'm, I'm suddenly, I can't even find the words to say I want to give it up to give pajamas to kids. And there were people, you know, along the way, especially at the beginning. And I know how that sounds. That, you know, women who are colleagues who said, are you crazy? Can't you just do that like on a Saturday? Like, why Why do you have to give everything up? How are you going to make, you know, your, your mortgage payments? Are you really doing anything important for these kids? And they didn't mean to be mean, but it was like being sucker punched.
2: No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. interesting because what you're talking about, what you're doing, but what you're doing is you're doing it because there's a, a relational connection with the kids. Right. And that can't be seen. in what's the the form is just taking you to the place where the opportunity opens up to do, to connect the way what's really captured you is that, that relationship. So that's hard to communicate, but I noticed, I'm going to read your book. It looks really interesting. uh, Purpose, Passion and Pajamas is the book. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to read that. I just because of what you've described as the connection, right? I can't wait
3: thank you yeah Yeah. and i I was just thinking too about you know there are how do i want to say it you know are you crazy yeah Uh, yes crazy i mean the crazy compared to what right like there's a there's a track that there's a track that everyone's on and most people relate to the track like a slave like i have to do this you know, so because this track and the track is full of what expectations, requirements, um, all that, that's the track. And then if you jump off the track, people on the track judge those that jumped off. Now, why do they do that? One is, I mean, lots of reasons, but, you know, jealousy is one of them. Like, I want like, oh, shit, I wish I could do that. That's like, I think maybe a, a, an inspiring one. Most, some people may say due to envy. Like, it's like, hey, get back in line. Shh, get back in line. Stop. Because your boldness and your courage is convicting to them. I know that. When I watch people taking leaps in my life, and if I'm at a place of scarcity, I'll judge their leap because I'm scared of mine. And I think that's a lot of the naysaying comes like, oh, can't you just do it on a Saturday? Well, sure I could, but, you know, of course I could do that. And I'd be less crazy in your eyes, but I'm going to go all in over here. Yeah and you know it's like anyway it's just it's that that part of it's really compelling too i mean your your willingness to have this what i wrote down like this captivating or enchanting aim that cuz for me that's kind of what purpose is it's like there's a there's a there's a what out there that requires me to be transformed to meet the what you know like you wanted to make that difference with those kids and then you'll have to like break the spell of the rat race and say, well, hold on, how can I re re-engage myself in the world and give myself permission to be crazy? Because of course you're gonna be crazy. Yes. Okay. All people that change the world are crazy. Re- somebody thinks they're crazy. Other people that have changed the world think they're awesome. Because, like, oh, you're one of us. Oh, yeah, you're throwing yourself at it. You don't know a whole bunch more than you do know. And that's great. You know, and then you trust. I know for myself, it's like if I trust um, If I trust myself, um, then I'll trust other people and then I'll go, something just happens out there. It seems like, it seems like something out there changed me or it seems like something out there really made a difference for me, but really it's how I was out there that really made the difference. Not, not like it changed me, but it's like I was transformed and all of a sudden it was there and I didn't see it before. You know, and that's really compelling. And, and part of the despair I feel in culture is like people just wanting something, unwilling to take a risk to go get it, and then judging the something because they don't want to take the risk. And that's what I love about your story, which I was really stoked when Chad brought you to us saying, hey, there's a great conversation here with, with, what, with what you're doing, but also how you're doing it and, and where you came from. Yeah. Very inspiring.
2: I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to hear from you what your biggest, like, was there a disappointment that was the biggest for you in the process, like discovering who was with you, who wasn't with you, like, what was it for you?
1: Well, that was early on, because as I mentioned, I didn't tell many people, because how do you tell them? It sounds ridiculous. Like I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, what I wanted to do, because I didn't know what, it meant either, and I didn't know how to curb my obsession and my enthusiasm to make it, you know, sound palatable to somebody who would be shocked. So I decided to ask a friend who was also a working woman, uh, but not close enough to me that would tell my bosses what I was doing. But I really thought um, that there would be some support there. Just just put my foot in the water. So I invited her for a drink and dinner, and we're sitting having our drinks and i i rehearsed it but it still sounded ridiculous so anyway it came out the way i rehearsed it i'm sure it sounded ridiculous and she was the one that mentioned said what what i told you and it was like just being pummeled and i i i was i couldn't speak i didn't i was shocked and i made my way out it didn't stay and 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 whatever and i realized that I should have my cheerleaders in place first because <laughs> yeah. it really would have helped to help get somebody off me, off the floor, help me get off the floor rather than, you know, doubting because you doubt yourself. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't have any answers to all her questions. I had to find answers. And I knew that some of the questions she had were s- smart questions. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew, but, you know, then I went to my dad and he had the same concerns, but of course he was a little gentler because he was my dad. And I, I just, I tell people, that's one of the lessons in my book. I tell people, line your cheerleaders up first.
2: Yeah, Well, you know, the word passion means also, it, it actually it comes from the root word for, for suffering, mm-hmm. right? And, and it, it, you, you suffered because you hoped. You know, you have a you see a possibility and it makes sense to me. And then if that possibility, if somebody wants to shut that down or they bring up why it can't happen, that brings even more suffering because there's such a longing to see it happen. And yet, yet, even in the face of that, you got up and that it's that passion, that desire for that, that little six year old. What What is the six year old's name? I don't know. I never knew her name. But you
1: have That's the face. I, I can see her face. And actually, quick, I'll tell you, a few years ago, um, I asked my cousin who who draws, who's an artist in Chicago. I'm in New York. And I called her and I said, I can't lose her face. It stayed in my mind all these years. But honestly, it fades a little every year. And I can't have it fade. You've heard me tell the story. I'm going to tell you everything I can remember about how she looked in that moment. Can, uh-huh. you, can you draw her? And she said, I'll do my best. And she did. And she mailed me this... Nine by 11, and I cried because I saw her. And I carry that, and I showed that to uh, an audience, uh, a pajama program audience one, and once, and the supporter yelled, Let's call her Hope. So her name is Hope, but no, I don't know her name. No, it makes sense. Her. It was an emergency shelter.
2: It's, but it's, she's it's, what your, your love for her and the suffering for her, for her carried you through the disappointment of somebody else not being there in a way you thought they might be, or you wanted them to be. I mean, that's we amazing. We all
1: have that hole, right, Dan yeah. we, and, and Adrian and Chad, we have that hole in us and that's what connects us to those, um, those moments, I think.
2: Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. Well, and part of it here is, uh, you know, listening to that. I mean, listening to the, like slowing down enough, and maybe having enough faith to like, listen to the whole, you know, yeah. to, <laughs> listen long enough, but, you know, versus doing what, you know, we're so compelled to do, which is just find a way to turn up the other volumes in our lives, you know, cause you can't like shut that down, but I can turn up everything else, which sounds like what your dad naturally said and God bless him. And like your friend naturally said, and God bless her that, oh on, d- don't you know what I'm scared of? here, turn this volume up in your life, turn that up. And then, you know, and it's, it's worth, I always say like, listen to the fears long enough to hear their concerns. Cause there's some natural concerns. Oh, you need to eat. You need to have a roof over your head. You know, you don't want to live in that emergency shelter that you wouldn't be able to be, you know, you, you, people might think you're crazy. You might break your, you know, the network might think you've gone loony or whatever. All those are natural concerns. Um, But, you know, concerns I can manage. I can actually solve for my concerns. I usually don't solve for fears. I usually just obey them. Yeah. And you know, and what you did was listen and translate and, and then found people that don't form a life that fits their fears. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: People that form a life that fits their passion, their purpose. Mm -hmm. And there are some out there. Um, I want to be one of those on a daily basis. Not always am I, but I really want to be one of those. And you end up being a compelling force. I mean, 63 chapters. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear. <laughs> There's no small work. I'd love to hear about how, you know, how you've evangelized this conversation to how, like how the, how that growth has happened for you. Um, and part of this is to just cause I, I want this to be purposeful for the listeners. Um, because people might not be willing yet, or this might not be their jumping off point, you know, or they might not be up for it right now, but they can be up for doing something, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and contributing some way. So love to hear, you know, what that's like for you as it's grown. And then also how people got involved, you know, people that want to you know, write a check or wanted to go be involved.
1: So talk through that. Sure. Let me first address the people who the, the there's not only one way to do it. I jumped in because that's my personality. I, yeah. I've always done that. Not always the best thing. If I didn't if I wasn't obsessed, I don't know if I would have jumped in, but I did and, and I tend to think I, I'll swim, you know, flap around till I till I swim, but it's not right for everyone. So I teach when I teach I teach a slide or a jump. And if especially after this pandemic, we've all pushed something further back on the back burner. If you slide something into your life that you wanted to do that, whatever is nudging you for one hour a week, it makes all the difference in the world. One hour. You don't have to be Adele. If you want to sing, take a lesson. Take one lesson. Join a group. Go to church and sing. If you've never gone, pick any denomination. Go to church, read the Missal and sing. Give your voice. To the room, to the other people. One hour visiting seniors—if you've always wanted to do that. One hour doing something to help people—if you thought about something in the medical field—it'll change everything, especially how you feel about yourself. And that's important. And that's that's a big, it's a big thing for some people to give themselves that hour. But it it makes such a difference. So. Jumping is not for everyone. So the slide method makes enough of a difference that you can see your way, you know, to grow that hour and still keep, you know, your job if you have to keep your job. There's
2: different ways to court.
1: Different ways to court. Yes. Yes. And then the the, the growth of it is about sharing the stories that touch us, the reasons that we were doing things. And and again, I think we've been doing a, a better job over these 18 months sharing asking listening supporting because if we're all an island then nobody's going to be able to to help nobody's going to support nobody's going to think there's any compassion or or anybody who's listening but i i just i told that story about that little girl to anything that had a pulse and i didn't realize that people would feel it was like I was her. It was like I channeled her. I could see, you know, not on every single person, but on people who really got it, I could see them feel her, feel that question. Maybe they're a parent or a grandparent, or or maybe they they have, you know, they were. I've met so many people who told me I was adopted. Maybe there's a reason, but there are people the people who are going to support you, and you don't need everybody. You. We all just need a group to further what we love, to share it and to to share what they love. So it's about the human connection. That's how we grew organically by sharing the stories. And thousands and thousands of people felt her loneliness and also felt that what I said before is, it's not about the pajamas. It's not about the material. It's about the comfort, the compassion, the time between a parent and a child where that there are secrets shared and there's the security the child knows they're loved. And in the morning, that same person is gonna be there even if they have a bad day, they're gonna be loved. All those things, which I didn't learn for years are what the pajamas and the bedtime and the storytelling mean. And I used to think it's the power of one. Power of one can change the world, but I have learned it is not the power of one that changes things. It's the power of one another that moves mountains and moves people. And that's the biggest thing that that if people we all can believe that truly believe that, I think the barriers will come down a little bit. We'll we'll share, we'll listen, and we'll 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 give a hand
0: up. One. When- one aspect of your message that has really touched me and, and really stuck out to me if I can just highlight it really quick is that this idea of living in your purpose with passion, um, I think a lot of people, and I've made this up this so this story up for myself at times. like if, I was, if I was if I had passion and was living in my purpose, things would just fall into place or things would be easy. Or I wouldn't have any doubts. And I now know that that's not true. I mean, I'm discovering that every single day and sometimes I'll go back to thinking that and like doubt myself again and blah, 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 blah. But one thing that I love about your message, or at least what I'm getting out of your message is that you can both live in your purpose, be living out your purpose with passion and experience doubt and conflicts and obstacles. And in fact, if you're not, (laughs) there's probably something missing. Um, and Adrian, you brought it up earlier, this idea of self-trust, trusting yourself. There's a lot required. You, you know, we've both, we've all talked about courage in this, in this context, in this conversation. I'm, I'm curious for you, how do you relate to trusting yourself? What have you discovered about self-trust and, and how has that played a role in the, in the journey? Is a question for Adrian? No, for you.
1: Oh, for me. Oh, yeah. You're I mean, oh, tired of listening to oh, me. Oh, I was, I was anxious <laughs> to hear Adrian's answer.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's 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 scary. It's still scary. Every time you, you do something new, every time you want to take it to another level, um, it's it's nobody. I'm not coasting. I mean, I, I start something new. I, start, I wrote a book. I mean, that's the scariest thing. It came out in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> very scary you know I, I wanted to speak and and share all this and give back some of the inspiration that i received and the pandemic locked me out of that but you know you, you keep going because you every time there's a mysterious sign <laughs> that you get you have hope and it's it's that hope that has you know gotten gotten us this far that you just, you know, you just keep going. Otherwise it's, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't, doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't have any meaning if you're not, if you're not trying to, to serve, do more, help more, be there for someone. It's,
2: I don't know how yeah. else to explain it. Yeah. A very, there's, a very, there's a bunch of uh, neuroscientific studies on meaning and it's directly related to investment. And that's what you're describing. If I'm not willing to invest, then I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna, it's like, if it comes easy, it goes easy, right? That's really true, right? It, it, but it's something you work hard for and that you've sweated for and you you suffered for means a lot more to you, right? Because you're involved, you're engaged. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, you know, it's how can I make a difference without an investment is not making a difference really at all. And what makes a difference is the investment of you, right, that connection. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain level of vulnerability there as well. I, at least I've experienced that. That you know, when I invest in you, I stand the chance of being judged, or you know, or you know, or abandoned, or you know, who knows what, uh, exposed in a way that's scary or embarrassing, and who knows. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> yes, very vulnerable. It is vulnerable, especially when you find something that you care for and. That's coming, you know, you're gonna stand for it even if somebody's not with you. That's takes a lot of guts.
1: Have right, standing for your purpose. It's like it's like a child, you know. I, I didn't have children. This is my this is my baby.
2: Yeah, right on. Yeah. They are your babies. Right? Exactly. Well,
3: and it's worth, let I me, mean, at least for me, worth saying it's like there's there are millions of women that didn't have kids and they've decided to be to to be bitter about that you know, fill in the blank on whatever people are deciding to be bitter about um, or feel like it ought not be this way. And some people have focused their life on what didn't work or what they don't have or um, what should have been. And, you know, you, you focused on what you wanted. I mean, there's a couple of phrases that have come to mind in this conversation. Like, the willingness to wonder takes guts. Like mm-hmm. willingness to wonder, like because you, you when you hit that, like I this isn't meaningful, you're really good, you were good at the grind, but there wasn't meaning in it for you. Not anymore. There was at some point. And then the meaning left. And then you were willing to wonder. What else could be more meaningful? And then like but the next step in that is which is much more vulnerable, is the willing to want something. Cause then, you know, you'll be compelled to do it and, you know, and then you might fail yourself. You might put that, you know, conversation on the burner for a long time. Like you're talking about, but it's, I, I'm with you on like coming through the last year and a half as a culture, it has really shaken up yeah. so many people. And there's a really new, I think there's a new window here. I know it is for lots of clients that are, you know friends and clients, Mm-hmm. Um, and even for us in our own household, there's like there's, there's something new that can happen or you can just wait to get back to normal or you can want something new. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever a time that like there's license to really go do something crazy, something that, obviously crazy is a label that that is a, is a, is a um, description right. of the norm. Right. So if you want to do something outside the norm, um, i.e. crazy, uh, usually where life happens, by the way is getting outside the norm and trying something you know taking a risk is naturally invigorating um you know now's the time now's the time to do that it's like go be crazy now you can go back and blame it on COVID later just go ahead and go do it now like have the guts now and you know oh that was a a weird thing blah, blah blah cool go do the weird thing now like go you know slide into something i spent years of my life working in a church in los angeles and my My responsibility was to build a network between the 3,000 people in the church and, you know, the 11 million people in Los Angeles and and build partnerships and nonprofits, essentially, and then build leadership teams to go out and serve on a regular basis. But most of my conversation was with, quote unquote, normal people that had jobs, had lives, had family. And I would say that to them, I'd say, give me an hour of your time. It'll be your favorite hour of the week. Mm -hmm. It'll be your favorite hour. So because it's outside the norm, it's something really invigorating. It's frightening even to like the type A, type A, very driven people go get outside and something's going to be fresh over there. Mm -hmm. And to take that kind of risk, uh, I think it's a great invitation for folks. Find some place, you know, to go get involved and go, you know, get on your, get on your toes, you know, need, need someone, need something. You know, when I, when I play God in my own life, I don't like my life very much. Mm. You know, when my life fits my capacity, I don't like my life as much as when my life extends my capacity. That is enlivening to me. And then I need someone else, something else. I'm a God guy. So I need some kind of connection to God. I also need some really dependent, interdependent, at least connection to other people. Um, and life is much more worth living when I'm doing that. And I hear that strong invitation, um, in this work, even just to take a small step. It's just so there's life happening over there and I just love it.
2: Yeah.
3: So yeah, thanks for, yeah. for this conversation.
0: Holy cow. I oh, love
1: that. I love
0: that, Adrian. So Genevieve, uh, can you just, as we wrap up this conversation, I would love anybody who's listening to this and is feeling it, feeling maybe some conviction, feeling, um, maybe that there's some opportunity in both reading your book or interacting with you or, or just wanting to figure out how to bring more purpose and passion in their lives. Is there anything just as a final invitation for them that you have? Uh, I'll let you do that. And then also tack onto the end there, how people can obviously get the book, Follow you if you if you put yourself out there on social media and want them to connect with you, whatever makes most sense.
1: Sure. Well, usually I, I when people aren't sure what their purpose is, whether they say they don't know what it is or they have so many things that they love to do, how would they pick? I always start by telling them to find an hour and a half, 90 minutes. An hour is too short. You're always watching the time for when the hour's over. So at least 90 minutes and find a place. Where they they love being, whether it's home and sitting in a meadow, uh, anywhere, and get themselves whatever will relax them a glass of wine, a glass of a cup of green tea, and some cookies. And be alone with a paper and a pen, not a computer. And write down the 10 things you love to do that make your heart sing. Write them with your hand to pen on the paper. Write down the 10 things. Have a sip of wine, have a sip of the green tea. If you're listening to music, fine. If not, fine. And just look over the list and write down how you feel about each one of those things when you say it to yourself. Just a few words. Narrow it down to three. And look at those those three things and write down how you feel about each of those three things. And then narrow it down to two. And for the next few weeks, spend an hour on each one, once a week, whether you're researching it online, whether you're talking to someone or introduce yourself to somebody who's in that world, whether you can go and visit that world in some way, just immerse yourself for one hour in those things and just see how it feels, because it it has to feel like you're on top of the world when you're doing it. That's your purpose.
0: That's a strong, practical invitation. I really love that. Um, so how can people get in touch with you?
1: Well, my website's GenevievePeturo.com book is there. Contact me at Jen at GenevievePeturo.com. Um, I'm a good listener. So I always invite, um, friends or strangers to use me as a sounding board. I'm happy to share things I did wrong, (laughs) things I did right, shortcuts or, you know, mentor. Um, so, you know, lean on me.
0: Well, thank you again for your time, for your generosity. Congratulations on the milestones and the anniversaries and the and the work. Uh, It's just a beautiful story. So, thank you so so much.
1: Thank you, Chad. This was really fun, guys. Can we do another hour? (laughs) I'm going to follow up. Want to hear more of your stories?
2: (laughs) Touch with you. I really appreciate your courage and and vision very inspiring thank you and
1: and the same for all of you and and your relationship with um adrian i'd love to know more about it at you know whenever you you have time
0: yeah
2: i'd love to stay stay connected for sure
1: yes
0: yeah Yeah. all right bye -bye, everybody thank you
1: bye everyone bye guys
0: Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped, insp- helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.